This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Richard Porter. I'm Johnny Smith. And this is Smith & Sniff, a podcast in which two friends talk about cars. And this week, Johnny has a Larder Neva confession. Let me ask you a question. Do you want your car to look worse? <laughs> um... No, I mean, I'm guessing no is the obvious answer. No, I mean, do you want it to look, even though maybe it's brand new or nearly new, do you want it to look like absolute gash? Hang on, is this a, are you are you pretending to be a YouTuber? <laughs> what do you I realise that does sound a bit... Um, I've just bought a new yeah. car and I've just realised that I don't like the colour or the spec that I've ordered it in. Yeah. So, it's a little so I'm going to completely change it, even though I spent ages asking you guys what it was going to be like. No, the reason I, I say it's just I just wondered, you know, perhaps if you wanted your car to look like an absolute label <laughs> pig cock, uh, simply fit it with some gel plates. Oh, the uh, instant and easy way to make your car look significantly worse. Well, is why do people bother with those fucking plates? They're terrible. You, yeah, the 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 bubble the bubble raised letter. Yeah, but uh, not resin, proper raised letters resin. like plates sort of from the seventies, where there's no, sort the, of, there was some shaping to the letters. Yes. these are just this is flat bubble. but raised letters. Well, see, there's a like you say, there's a class to a pressed metal plate. Of which I'm a mm. big fan. I mm. have pressed metal plates on a lot of my cars, including um, I'm actually just ordering a pair for the Jimny. So, and I, 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 I recommend a pair for your Defender. I think that would be a good pressed metal plate victim. Victim's probably not um, the right word. Yeah, it's but, a good point. I, I mean, I sort of nerdishly, I quite like the fact it's got its original dealer plates on it. I don't know why that should be a thing. I think it's just because, you know, you see ads for older cars. And if yeah. they've got, you know, a car from the 70s or 80s got its dealer plates on, it's kind of, you go, ooh, originality. It's yeah. the it's the a lack of molestation, isn't it? In fact, that the, yeah. the, 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 the Rover SD1... But, <laughs> The Rover SD1 Barnfine video that I did on on the Late Break show yeah. recently, that yeah. car had exactly that. It had a dealer sticker in the back window. With I know, matching. I know, 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 Yeah, I know, I saw that, I saw that and I went, oh, that's a definite lack of, I can't say molestation, I keep thinking of mollusks. Well, you can. Molluscation. I'm sure there is some car mollusking going on. I don't know what that would entail, but I'm sure it is. It exists. A, a Nissan S cargo, I suppose. Mm. But um, I totally want one. Of those. Tish. Yeah, yeah, I kind of do as Mollusk. well. There's one that I see around near here, and I always look at it and go, "That's just great." I mean, it's sort of silly, but that's why I like it. It's just, it's just a bit jolly, isn't it? It's a jolly yeah. car. 
I'm down with it. I know we're going off subject slightly. I'll keep it quick. You know, because everyone's not going abroad anywhere. Yeah. Everyone's looking around for freedom. Yeah. I found myself this week doing exactly the same. Uh, I'm getting a bit annoyed at the prices of yeah, even shonky long wheelbase ex builders vans with potential are just daft money and you're like, Oh, come on. I wanna find a um I wanna find some sort of bad seventies motorhome that nobody's advertised yet. I was just talking to a chap yesterday who casually mentioned that he's got a bit he's got your disease because he's a bit of an eBay magpie and mm. uh He'll have a he'll have a drink of an evening, and then the magpie comes out straight on the bay. <laughs> Ooh, there's some old shite for for going cheap, and I'll I'll get a bid in that. And uh, over lockdown, he he said, "Oh, I bought a motorhome." Oh, what a stroker! From what Scotland, that? from Scotland, and then had to have it trailered down at great expense. There was all manner of aggro involved in this, and it finally turned up, and the truck was too big to, to unload outside his house, and he had to go around to a neighbouring street, and then someone came out of a house and went, are you dumping that there? And it all got a bit difficult for him. It all kicked but, off. So he was, just, he was just telling me all about this, and he went, no, it's great. I just, you know, I just always love the idea of a real thing for old motorhomes, and this one was great. And I was like, oh, what kind of motorhome is it? And he said, oh, it's one of the GMC ones. Oh, piss off. It's not the six-wheeler. It's a six-wheeler, the short wheelbase, but still a six-wheeler, oh. the GMC motorhome, which, for people who don't know, are those ones that look like... They're front-wheel uh, drive, they're know, glass fibre. They're front-wheel drive, because they've got flat, the Toronado powertrain in the front. They're flat-floored. They mm. were seriously futuristic motor. I cannot believe he's got basically my favourite motor. One absolute well, pants-down, yes. like... Scrotal. My favourite motorhome also, and I'm not really into motorhomes, but God, I'd love one of those. And I, I, um, I wrote a story for the Road Rat magazine uh, last year about them, and their backstory is fascinating. Brilliant. I just totally, I already loved them, and having to research it, I really fell in love with them and the way it was all done. And they, you know, it was such an ambitious idea that ultimately tanked. Did it uh, tank? And that I sort don't of know. makes them, yeah, because it was expensive. Uh, they were expensive for their time. Okay, and. People just didn't bother. Because GM thought they were really onto something because motorhomes were huge in the States in the late 60s, early 70s. It was a real sort of burgeoning trend and they thought, we'll get a bit of this action instead of just selling chassis and engines to other people to cream off all the money. Um, But yeah, but it was signed off, that motorhome, by uh, a guy called Ed Cole, who was also the man who's commonly regarded as the father of the Chevy small block. Oh my gosh. Quite a form, quite a good, yeah, good form. Uh, your mate uh, who brought it down from Scotland, can you can you just tell me, is he bored of it yet, and does he want to sell it <laughs> no. for what he paid for it? It was absolutely. It looked terrible. Apparently, it looked way worse in real life than in the pictures when it came off the truck, and he was he, his heart sank, and uh, yeah, he had, like had to clean moss off the windscreen before he could even see out. <laughs> Which begs the question, how did they get it on the lorry? But it's actually cleaned up really nicely, and he's done a bit of work to it. Oh, what colour is it? Is it brown? It's Yeah, sort of beige with brown stripes. Oh, my gosh, it's the best. It's so 70s, but do you know how much he paid for it? I bet he paid a reasonable... Did he buy it during lockdown? Yeah. Yeah, I bet he paid a reasonable fee for it. 15? 15,000? Yeah. 12? I also want to tell you because I think you might 
have a sort of a rage puke or something. Don't tell me he paid about four grand for it, three grand for it. Three and a half thousand pounds. Oh, shit off. And does it actually work? <laughs> yeah, it does. Oh. Yeah, he's been away in it. Oh. I mean, it needs a bit of work to get it going. In fairness, he had to do a few things to it, but... I'll give him six now. I haven't even seen it. I don't think... He wouldn't take it. I, I bet you he wouldn't take well, it. He's, he's been invited. To, him and his happen. family have been invited to a wedding in France. And if the lockdown rules will allow it, he wants to drive it to France. And that, that's, I think, happening later this well, year. I think that'll cost him about £1,600 in petrol. I know, but then he could he could get that money back by selling the motorhome to you to for me. Fact, yeah, does he want to sell it on the way back to me when his wife's <laughs> bored of it and she's gone? Hang on. So we could have stayed in the best hotel in Paris, but no, we stayed in a glass fibre porn dungeon <laughs> on the outskirts of town. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. They're very cool in a seventies way, but there is a distinct whiff of sort of brute sodden sex perverts about them as well I yeah mean, there I is that's why you like I think them, it is I... so, yeah in some ways yeah in the nicest possible way that there is the escapism of of the specific era so it feels like you're going on a camping holiday in 1978 and mm. I kind of like that about it oh man I can't believe he's got the actual campfire it really got me onto a downer yeah. at the beginning of the podcast Sorry. Absolute do you know who else had he told me as well quite interesting that that one that he's got has lived most of its life in the UK. It was imported when it was quite new uh, back in the 70s. I mean, they only made those things for sort of three or four years. So uh, Gosh. it came over quite early in its life. Um, and it's not the only one because in the 70s, the Hesketh Formula One team had one. Talking did they? sodden sex pests. The Hesketh <laughs> Formula One team had one as their, as their motorhome. Oh, that's, I bet it was its sign written. I bet there's some amazing... I, don't, I think it had the team logo on it. I've seen oh, pictures of it. Oh, gosh, that would be James so Hunt good. James Hunt used it for James Hunt-type business. So um, James Hunt yeah. used it for just formula <laughs> penetration. <laughs> exactly. We all know what may or may not have happened. We all know. Uh, for warming up his rubber. Um, yeah. oh, so, gosh. yes, where were we? What were we talking about? Oh, gel plates. No, just, I yeah, just yeah, yeah. don't. Gel plates are absolute toss and they make any car of any age look worse. And. Yeah, bit questionable. I, I just, aren't they? It's just something we haven't discussed before. And I thought I felt. It's particularly when the backing, the white or the yellow backing, is murky. It is murky. Yes, I know exactly what you mean. It's it's fa- it's tinted down. Yeah, I think it's to stop uh, or to reduce the um, the reflection or the visibility of it on AMPR cameras or Gatso cameras. I think because yeah. otherwise it just looks like as someone was doing the lamination process someone else was just sort of like sweeping up hair at a barbershop and just got a load of sort of <laughs> small amounts of black hair clippings just fed into the... You know what I mean? It just There's something about it that's not quite right. Well, when you were a kid, did you ever just turn down the contrast on the TV just to see what it looked like? Of course you did. Like really? Well, back when TV sort of had either a big knob to do that or it was just like, you know, it's quite easy to do directly off the remote without yeah. going to a menu. Yeah. And... um and I, I used to do that a lot just to go, I wonder what this would look like if it was inexplicably much darker. Um, uh, and it looks like that. It looks like the contrast's been turned down too much and it just looks shit. <laughs> but it can't be. That can't work either. That can't. There's no way that Fox's K2 
cameras, unless all the cameras are sort of from first generation smartphones, there's no way that they're not going to be able to read your plate no, unless it's night time. I can't, I can't honestly see that it, that it works. Which just proves my supposition that people who put badly turned down contrast gel plates on their cars are cretins. I think that the, that they are they do they they're a bit the sort of the the kind of plate you'd expect to see on an on an unnecessarily aggressively driven car. Yes. I they weren't they weren't on gel plates, but I had someone overtake the other all the roads around the, my my house the villages nearby have all been um gritted, you know the chip, they've had chippings and pothole repairs done. So it's 20 oh, mile okay. an hour speed limit. Yeah. So I'm driving one of my kids back from a swimming lesson and we're doing about 20, 25 because it's been chipped and this guy came steaming up behind me in a full-size Range Rover like right up behind me. I'm in the Dodge mm. actually. I'm driving slowly. I'm in the Dodge which is obviously quite a wide car for a back lane anyway in Britain. Mm. He's right up my back door and he decides to overtake like full kick down overtake on chippings. Oh. I no, was, that's I was, not cool at all, is it? It was not that's, cool. Because you're then machine gunning the other car. And it was in one of my classics. I was furious. I nearly gave that's, chase, but I didn't. What an anus. I know. I know. That's what I thought. Oh, speaking of twatty driving. Yeah. You know, we've talked before on this show about uh, the Audi RS3 in particular Yes. Tromboning about the place with its... <laughs> oh, it's so much. Yeah, it's like the theme tune to Johnny Briggs, but um, with a with a GSG <laughs> gearbox. Now, on... <laughs> on that side of things, yes. Um, chap called Kevin Webb, who's one of our patrons, got in touch uh, when we when we mentioned the tromboning Audis with the DSG box. He uh, Kevin said, "I'm a trombonist by training and used to teach it." I was amused by Richard's impression of a small child playing one at their first lesson. Trust me, as a former peripatetic brass teacher, lovely use of the word peripatetic there, it was spot on. But the <laughs> clusterfuck of noise made by a class full of 39-year-olds playing their first school concert after half a term's worth of tuition is enough to turn a spectating parent to drink. In fact, the sound is much like the Morris Minor Owners Club setting off for a trundle through the countryside. <laughs> 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 Do you know what? I, it's one of the reasons why. It's one of the reasons why I, 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 I want to like the Morris Minor more than I do. But I feel constantly let down by the pathetic exhaust sound. That's it's funny. Like, awful. Because it makes me like it more. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> awful. Um, Just makes me like the Beetle more. Far superior vehicle. Far superior the Zeppelin. Absolutely. Talking. Also talking of sounds. Um, I know we did. We did listeners' messages last week. And we're not. We're not going to spend the whole time doing that. But a chap called Simon Seymour Perry sent us a message, asking, "What's the most annoying car-related sound?" I'll go first, he says, hearing the sound of handbrake ratchets when someone can't be asked to press the button when parking. I used to drive my 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 dad nuts. That did. Yeah, my dad, my dad too. Yeah. I think it's because our dads are both engineers. It's mechanical sympathy. It is. It? It's, it's absolute just... mechanical sympathy. It's what it comes down to. Yeah. Uh, that is annoying. 
Uh, well, I had to tap a... Somebody driving along with a totally flat tyre still bamboozles me. Oh, I had yes. A, I had it on a, a last Friday, which was exceptionally rainy, really quite stormy. And one of the school parents was driving out of school with a totally flat black we- back wheel, a, a tyre. And I tapped on the window and he said, yeah, I know, I know about the wheel. I went, oh, OK. So <laughs> if you know, why well, are you doing I it? Said it's, I said it is totally flat, like you're, you're driving on the rim. <laughs> yeah. And he went, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to make it down to the fuel station, which is a mile and a half away. I went, you're, are you going you're gonna to drive a mile and a half like that? And he went, yeah. I said, well, you're going to wreck your, your wheel, which is more expensive than your tyre. And he just went, yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it was a very interesting conversation. It was a very interesting well, no, conversation. No, that, if that, I, 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 that yeah, that's a, a specific kind of yeah, isn't it? That's a... It's a sort of, yeah, like, I know... But I'm too much of a fuckwit to think my way around this. Well, I can't. I mustn't judge. I, I mean, it was the weather was bad, so it obviously it was a bad day for a puncture. But I don't fully understand why you'd leave a safe car park to get onto a road to drive on a totally flat tire. You're going to wreck your rim. You're obviously going to wreck the tire, even if it was repairable. Um, and it's sort of dangerous. I just, I just didn't really understand it. I I nearly said something about like I think you probably shouldn't do that, but then I thought no, Johnny, <laughs> rein it in. It's not your business. He's an adult. It's his car. Let yeah. him let him do uh, it. What car was it? It was an Audi A3. Uh huh. Yeah. You know it's repairable. Yes. But then you say you'd say irreparable, wouldn't you? Irreparable, you it's would. Irreparable yeah. damage. I love irreparable. Repar- so is it is it reparable? Uh, yes, irreparable. Is this tyre reparable? Yes, I think we can repair it. What oh, about, it is reparable. What Good. about a reprobate? It's almost like a reprobate, <laughs> isn't it? Is it a repairable <laughs> <Yeah>. bait? <laughs> <laughs> no, reprobate would be like a reproduction version of a bait, wouldn't oh, it? Oh, it would be a reproduction bait. It's uh, exactly what yeah, it is. Yeah, mate. Is this, is this original? No, I'm sorry, it's not. It's a reprobate. It's a reprobate. <laughs> Is it OEM? No, it's really not. Sorry about that. I can't that. remember what I was going to say now. This is well, I can't remember what we started to talk about because such is the way with these podcasts. But um, I have got a letter um, from um, from a lovely Patreon that got sent to um, the old um, Smith and Sniff email address. Can I read it out? Because it it's actually relevant to the presidential spec. Um, cars that we were talking about the other the other week oh okay <clears throat> this one's from brendan mccallear and he's he's a he's a lovely guy he's a patreon like i said but he's um, quite active on social media he said um canadian president trudeau does indeed seem to be the type to foist unwanted folk music at a gathering however I can share with you that his car is a bit interesting. A 1960 Mercedes-Benz um, 300SL Roadster. My friend restored it. Roughly a third of 300SLs have been restored in Victoria, British Columbia, include, including a number of the aluminium-bodied cars. Johnny might be pleased to also know that the same restorer loves a good Honda S600 and did a full resto on a Canadian spec Roadster recently. The 300SL belonged to Trudeau Senior, Pierre Elliott, 
who was the Canadian Prime Minister in the late 70s, early 80s, Pierre Trudeau would regularly drive it up to his upcountry cabin and absolutely cane the bejesus out of it in an attempt to shake off his security detail following in a shed in Malibu or similar. He was frequently successful at ditching them. He also wrenched on the car himself. I always read that as being wrenched, but he was definitely wrenched, as in he repaired the car himself. Um, yeah. He wrenched on the car himself, working alongside his mechanic. I would also point out that it's not particularly weird that the four GTs made in Canada because it's the same company that built the chassis for the Aston 177 and the monocoque for the Valkyrie mm. Brendan, great a bit of uh, Prime Minister um, yeah, uh, Intel, good. a personal car Intel I'm loving the fact that he was trying to shake off his, his own security people um, is it a punishment to give bodyguards and security cars that can't actually handle um, when they're yeah. because sure does that mean you're, you're you're actually trying to hinder their their job aren't you yeah you, if you think about it you go is that car fit for purpose i mean is it i don't know but um it's a bit like it's a good point yeah sometimes in the uk we have we have security in things like range rovers and i always think as as nice as the range rovers are for many things they can't they can't really hustle like Side streets, I fast think, no, and I, I, I think I read somewhere or someone told me that one of the conflicting problems they have with these sort of security cars is that you know they need performance, they need a bit of handling to be able to get a sprint on going around corners as well. But the, at the same time, they need to have lots of space inside because of gubbins, including what guns and ammo. Well, yeah, those armed protection people, yeah. if they're all kind of kitted up... Yeah. We talked about this before. I mean, it's, I, I think I said to you ages ago, it's like, have you ever sort of been near a modern police person? They're like... It's like standing next to a sort of robot. They're so sort of bulky. They don't they don't fit down narrow corridors mm. very easily. No, they, they, they don't. You know, you sort of narrow corridor and pe- both, pe- both parties trying to get past each other side on. But if you're a police person in full kit, that doesn't help. You're as wide as you are deep. It's, you just got me and, thinking about, imagine if one of those police people like asked to use your downstairs toilet in your house. Oh, my God. They would you ne- know how, they'd, like, they'd never get out or in. No. Well, well they'd get jammed, wouldn't they? Because you, you have to sort of slide into the gap between yeah. the door and the sink, then close the door, and then you've got the room to walk down to the, you know, the, it's just the standard under the stairs bog. I, lo- I love which... your under stairs toilet, but it is, it's, it's like all these places where they're trying, you're trying to fit in a little corner basin or a little hand basin into a space. Sometimes these places, not yours, but other places where, you know, you actually, the door almost touches the pan as you as you open the door and walk in. Yes. You think, then you yeah. need to turn around, close the door without sort of hitting yourself and then you've got to try, if you need a number two, you've got to sit on the pan somehow. And there's not, oh my God. not a lot of legroom for such activities. But if you've got a police belt on. Oh, you're just never going to. Well, because bad enough, ours is, you know, it's not. A, a mate of mine, he's redone their house now and fixed this. But their downstairs loo, you used to have to, like you say, the door touched the loo. So basically you had to open the door as much as it would go, which was only sort of shoulder width if that <laughs> slide basically down the side of the loo like cram your legs down the side of the loo so you could shut the door oh, did you have to yeah, touch the you pan need to with sit your down legs? essentially oh, yeah it was unsavory it was oh. such a small room and it was, uh, it was everything was sort of like slightly it was weird as well because it was at an angle 
there's nothing lined up properly. It was just awful. They fixed it now. But our kids, because they're little, had this thing. They've sort of stopped now where they used one of them to go to the loo and the other one would go, oh, I'm coming with you. He'd be like, don't go in there. And, but because of the way that the door blocks off half the room when you open it in our downstairs loo, inevitably one of them would sort of trap the other one. And it was like, just, no, go back and release your sister. Yeah, she's she's yeah. become distressed because she thinks she's tra- trapped in a tiny room well, with my, a shitter. My son still loves it. He still wants me to come to the toilet with him, but just for the chat. He's such a bloke. He's such a bloke. It's like, wait, what, what is it? And I said, I don't know. It's like toilet counselling. You know you're going to be there for a good five minutes or so. Just want a little chit-chat. I said, that's yeah. absolutely fine. Yeah, my boy does that, mm. but he wants he wants privacy as well. So he'll go right, stay outside, but go, but what, chat. What? But yeah, but chat. Stay out there. <laughs> it's very specific. So he'll either close the door, but you have to stand outside the door, going yeah, yeah, no Minecraft, yeah, 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 whatever, yeah. Or he leaves the door open, but he wants the privacy, so you have to go like to one side of the door so that he can't see you. <laughs> Which is, <laughs> it's just people are funny. Aren't but then they? it makes the landing smell. People so. are very, you know, that's the problem. If you do a door open session, then obviously, then yeah, the air, you've, there's a bit of a fug in the air. And the chances are the door will go and it'll be someone that you've never had in your house before, ever. Oh, yeah. Ever. And yeah. you've got a, you've yeah, got just, a, someone's cracked open a tin of rotten family circle just before they walk in there. <laughs> I mean, it's awful, isn't it? It's so many air biscuits. You're like, you, you, what do you do? You have to just go. Oh, I'm really sorry. Um, I've I've just dropped a. a s- yeah, sorry. I just had a shit. <laughs> yeah, you just got to be honest, haven't you? Now, just to change the subject slightly, although. Yeah, please. Can you? His, well, there's a couple of things I've, I've made a note of to bring up today. One of them is: at what point are we going to admit that the new Peugeot logo isn't working? I just, I, I just really like the original one. I think that's mm, uh, me too. But it doesn't annoy me as much as the, the brand that didn't need to exist, Cupra. So I feel. Oh yeah. Which is as you as well, you said before, it just tops, looks like yeah. a sort of knockoff Disney superhero logo. Um, yeah, or it's it's the logo for a new kind of energy drink or deodorant or something. It's just. Oh, it is. It's de- it's, yes, it's deodorant, sporty deodorant. Firex. Yes, it won't. Forty-eight try. hour protection. Have a fucking shower. Why do you need deodorant for forty-eight hours? You stinky twat. Well, because you're going to be sleeping in a sprinter van at a, a festival <laughs> with me and nothing but wet wipes and lager. We're not. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Oh, so true. That's going to totally happen. No, no, no. It's not. Oh, um, I've got a little. We've got a little email from, uh, to the from a chap called Ken Long. Um, old email address, so that's why I'm reading it out. Um, and the title is... <laughs> I like the demarcation of labour that's now happening. It's like, if you send it to the old email address, Johnny, Johnny will, will it find out. it. Send it to the new one, I'll, I'll do it. Well, the title interested me. The title of the email is You Two and Flutes. And it says, <laughs> long-time listener, guys, second-time emailer. Couple of quick snippets. Snippet one. Enjoyed the aviation review with Smith and Sniff this week. My contribution to cool spots of the week would be the U2 that I saw flying back to Fairford a couple of months ago. That's a plane. Um, was really at the limit of my lens and my camera. But here's a, a quick bit of research shows that it was fitted with that absolutely 
every eavesdropping pod available. Oh, it's like a reconnaissance plane or, or something. And the second snippet, which is a bit more relevant. Here's an idea for a Smith & Sniff game show segment, provisionally with the working title, Flute or No Flute. Listeners nominate automotive-related sightings, items, news for the jury of Johnny and Rich to rule on. I'm not talking obviously terrible things, but those that make you wonder, is that cool or is it a bit dreadful? I'm not sure. The idea came to me when I saw a black G63 G-Wagen, in brackets, flute, with a personal number plate, more flute points here, that read GG66GGG. I'm undecided as to whether this is flute territory or not. I'm wondering if the G-Wagon is owned by the same person who I saw driving a Ferrari FF recently with the registration F77FFF or similar. (laughs) Anyway, keep up the great work, Ken. Thanks, Ken. Uh, You two and flutes. So... Yeah, flute or no flute. G- I quite like G six six G G G. So G six G G G. Under the rules of twat plates, the six can be read as a G. So they want their number plate to just say G G G G G G G. I think so, but I mean, I guess a G six is a, is, a, is a quite expensive private aircraft. So I mean, there could be connotations there. Are they quite expensive? I did. What, <laughs> G- what are those incredibly cheap private aircraft that <laughs> people keep picking up? Also known as a microlight, <laughs> which is a private <laughs> aircraft. It's just not That's what I true, was thinking. It is. <laughs> I've got my own. Hey guys, I've got a sports car and a private aircraft. What have you got then? Well, I've got a TR seven. And I've got a microlight. Oh, you man about town. You absolute swinger. <laughs> Get you. But if you were the lead in some kind of 1970s private show, yeah. a TR7 and a microlight might actually seem quite Oh, especially cool. if the TV, TR7, um, if the microlight went into a very aerodynamic, wide-tracked, Wolfray slot mag shod trailer. You can imagine oh. that being quite cool. Yeah. The only thing that's not cool for anyone is uh, trying to reverse a trailer in a tricky spot. (laughs) Especially a very short one, actually. I find the short ones worse. Yeah, even worse. (laughs) I tried to do it the other day. They're getting away. No, they're not. Hang on, I'll just back out of this tight car park. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what it was, actually? I remember when I I finished filming an idle chat with... Jason Plato and Matt Neal before Christmas, and I had the, the I had that silly trailer on on the gym oh, yeah. with, the, with the silly brown chairs, and it was mm. quite miserable weather. I I drove into what I thought was a Starbucks drive-through and thought, okay, I really need a coffee. I was sort of falling asleep, <laughs> and, and I and I wasn't. It wasn't a drive-through. It was a very very. It was just a Starbucks. It was a very narrow, long <laughs> car park with a dead end. It, it wasn't like a horseshoe shape. Oh, so I drove I right see. to the end of the car park because there were no spaces, and then I realised I, I actually couldn't turn around. So I had to in front of lots of other people unhitch the oh. trailer, disconnect oh. it. Move the trailer around, then shimmy the jimmy oh. around. It was a it was a drive of shame. And actually, do you know what? Out of fury, I never went and ordered a coffee. I thought, do you know what? Screw you. I'm not going to get a coffee. And just drove out. That'll show them. Yeah. That, How that dare one. you have a narrow, badly signposted car. Exactly. <laughs> so I just, that was it. I just, I just shimmied around, rehooked up and drove off slowly because there's no other option in a jimmy. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Hey, I noticed um, last week I saw a news story somewhere on the internet of um, in Australia where it seems you can still buy the Jimny with um, four seats. 
Uh-huh. Of course, you can't hear now, can you? That's only a commercial vehicle. That's right, yeah. Two-seater. But in the Australias, you can still buy a four-seater, and they've introduced a new sort of entry-level model, which gets the Steelys. Oh. And, oh, it looks nice. The Steels are great. The Steelys. I might actually order a set for ours. There was. I think that the UK one now comes on them, doesn't it? Because it's a, it's technically a van. Yeah, the SZ4. Yeah, SZ4 spec comes as standard on steels. And I was thinking of getting them. And then what, what, what I do is, as soon as I've got them, um, I don't rely on the factory paint because they're usually just sort of dusted over because steels don't get cared mm. for. Taking them to my mate Tim, who did the Dodge steel wheels, and he just two packs them in beautiful black. And then once he's oh. done that, then I put the tyres on it. Then they're nicely two-pack protected. Smart. Is that a bit pervy or is it? Or I might just... No, I think you're all right there. Yeah, I might do that. Why not put three steelies on it and leave one of the alloys on? That's a good look. <laughs> Said no one. Said absolutely no one. Because <laughs> that way round, it's obvious you've, you've, there's something's happened and you've just got the nearest wheel that fits. If you do one steely and three alloys, that's like, oh, that must be the spare. He's just had a puncture. He's put the spare on. But one alloy is a... It's, it's the same as one mismatched alloy on a car with all alloy wheels on it. You just go, what, mm, what happened? Why have you done this? Um. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Something else I was uh, I was going to bring up this week. It's been I've been meaning to mention it for ages. Do you ever just see sort of normalish cars, but in a certain kind of spec, where you just go, I bet that's a quietly nice car. Oh, I bet that's yeah. just nice. Yeah, right. So somebody, it's just shown up on our street recently down the end. Somebody's bought a fairly recent Mini. So current shape, but probably an early one of the current, in very low spec. Mm-hmm. And it's not got a contrast roof or anything like that. It's just red. It's got some quite small, simple alloys on it. No yeah. trimmings. Obviously three-door. Three-door. I think they had a three-cylinder engine in them, didn't they? I can't even remember. Uh, I just it's... looked at it and I went, I bet that's really nice to drive that car. Yeah. I bet it's just nice. Yeah. And down the road from us, near where some friends of ours live, there's someone who's got a modestly specced two-litre petrol Jaguar XE. Oh, interesting. And again, I look at it and go... Bet that's quite nice. I bet it's really good. Unfortunately, most people won't ever test drive it or think to order it. It's a no. shame, but 
No, I and think it's a nice looking <clears throat> car, and it's on a decent set of wheels, but they're not too big, and it's it's a nice color, and there's nothing flashy about it. But and it's the two liter petrol, which I've never tried, but that's ingenium, isn't it? It's ingenium territory. That it's a it's got yeah, it's, it's the perineum petrol engine, yeah which, <laughs> and it's an automatic and auto f box which is really nice and i saw i bet that's lovely yeah but you don't, yeah no one really would give it a second glance and no it's just sort of and i thought i think it's just i love cars like that just i think sort of who are the people that underrated who are the what's the sort of governing body that try, try, tries to level out and decide residual values on cars is it cap yeah yeah I think Cap should just should just rethink it. So instead of just awarding more <laughs> points for people that just tick every box for the sake of it, because that's not very imaginative. People who actually really consider things a bit more and a bit more creative, like Red Mini Person that you've just talked about. It's not about necessarily ordering top spec of everything. That doesn't necessarily make it better. It's just no. more tasteful slash more interesting, a bit more characterful the same with maybe i think cap should mark people down who don't order interesting colored cars so we can turn this ship around for people ordering <laughs> colorful flamboyant hued cars again can we not do that come on people mm. let's do this nothing wrong with a bit of yellow bit of orange you know a bit of vibrant green i was on the porsche configurator last week or whenever when, whenever they announced the, the new gt3 touring well, gosh, um, yeah, it was sex touring, and yeah. oh. <laughs> I was like, I'll just spec one up uh, for my own amusement. Of course, and you will. I yeah, I was like, well, you know, maybe I should go full Chris Harris spec, bright yellow, bright yellow touring. Yeah, own it. Just I mean, not literally because they're expensive. <laughs> but, own it, um, apart from not but I couldn't because uh, that new touring has got one of the ways in which it differentiates itself from the regular GT3, apart from not having the big wing on the back is that it has a little chrome strip around the side windows which you can delete i hadn't noticed but that. i think it looks really good but i think it looks really good on a dark colored car yeah it's it's something you can put on it's optional on any 911 i think but um but it i, I like it on a dark colored car i think it just brings a little pizzazz chrome on like a, a supercar is almost a bit um bit weirdly old school isn't it but i quite like it because you you associate chrome with 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 grand touring don't you and yeah kind of um glamour rather than out and out i think you can have chromey bits can you not have chromey bits on the mclaren 720s what you mean the sort of chrome plastic piping that you put around all the indicators and all the door handles if you're a minicab driver yeah yeah yeah, it's all just self one that circles a side repeater. Just peel the three M strip off and just wind it round everything. I saw an old shaped Golf yesterday, and it had the normal badging on the back that says Golf and stuff. But then they got some of those stick-on plastic letters that were in a, a typeface that doesn't quite match the VW <laughs> typeface, and they'd taken some plastic letters. The next to Golf, they'd stuck on the letters DSG. What? Just to let you know what kind of gearbox it had got. A dog shit gearbox. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's what it is. We all know a dog shit gearbox. Um, so yeah, no, I, I like the I like the little chrome line around the window side windows of the 911 Touring, but I think it works best in a dark colour. So I ended up specking mine in grey, and then I thought, oh, is that, I mean. That, would that be unimaginative? But I think if I was in the position, I'd have to, to buy go. One, I would end up. I'd have to go. Brett, it's, it's, it, there's, like I've said this before, and it's kind of dull. But no, if, if I ordered that 
new GT3 sex touring, it would have to be. It's either macadamia nut brown metallic or um or chartreuse Ooh. chartreuse green. That's it. Job done for Ooh. me. There's nothing in between. Yeah. And if it was brown, it would have the chrome because brown and chrome works. That macadamia is a really nice color. It's a it? hell of a color. It just keeps mm. it keeps calling me like a like a siren in the night. When I say siren, I mean sort of sexy mermaidy woman. I don't mean like a yeah, not police just like an alarm going off. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Just so you know, well, it just keeps waking you up in the night, and then you can't get to sleep again because you're too hot. Well, you say that actually. It's something that does keep waking me up. We bought one of those PE teacher style um, stopwatches that you put around your neck because. My wife's been Why? training to be a referee in netball, and she needed one. And so we've got an, basically an eighties, an eighties um, timer that you have a, that yeah. has a string around its neck. But the problem is, yeah. none of us understand the settings of it. And when it came, we we just put it in the drawer with all the phone charges and all the usual shit. And it, it, it the alarm goes off inexplicably at various times of the day, and we can't, I can't work it out. And someone threw the instructions away instantly. I've actually got it in front of me here. I just can't work it out. It's doing my Sweden. Can you hear this? Can you, can you hear this? Hang on. Those are the very clicky black plastic buttons. Yeah, oh bollocks! I think I've, oh, I've set the, I've, I've wanked all over the split and reset. I think I've set up like six different splits. Then, so in the next hour, it's going to start shouting at me. Well, you've you've reset it now. It's going to go off every twenty minutes, starting at two a.m. That's exactly what it is. And nothing says pre-internet timepiece like um, an hourly chime. That's very loud, and you can't turn it yes. off. Nobody has that anymore, do, do they? Well, as a kid in the eighties, you go to the cinema, and on the hour, there'd just be bit, 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 bit going on for actually about three minutes because no one's watch is quite set right. I actually miss an hourly chime. I might get a watch which has quite an irritating hourly chime because I was thinking I need to get a bit fitter. I've got a bit. <clears throat> I've got quite unfit in the last 12 months. If I had an hourly chime on the air every hour, whatever I'm doing, unless it's mm. impossible, I get down and do 20 press-ups. <laughs> if, you're, if you're on the M5 yeah, if I, if, exactly. and you're driving. Yeah, if I'm doing a track, track, not track driving, day in a caterham, obviously not. But, <laughs> <laughs> just, you could sling it onto the grass, harnesses <laughs> off, out, as if there's an emergency with a car. Oh, God, something's wrong with Johnny's car. At least, what, he's doing press-ups. Um you could just get a sort of smartwatch no. and it would tell you to do that, but no. obviously that's more expensive. No, no, I don't do smartwatches. I'm against them. I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna feed that. I've got a lovely old Casio. I mean you know, it's absolute standard digital. It's not an F ninety one, not the classic. It was sort of one model up. And I was wearing it just as my everyday watch for quite a while. And then I tucked it back in the drawer and I got it out the other day. And the strap's broken. Like, it's just sheared in half. Really? And I cannot work out how that's happened. It's just... If someone from Casio is listening to this, there's going to be, a, like, a shockwave across the company, as in yes. a Casio <laughs> has <laughs> broken in some way. No, the watch itself works fine. Because I'll say, I went, look at this, it's broken. How's this happened? My wife went, oh, just things break. I'm like, no, 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 no. No, they don't. It's a Casio digital watch. Yeah. I paid, I believe, £11 for this. Oh, sure. And... I expect it to last for a lifetime. Um, 
but the watch itself works perfectly. And my wife went, well, it's just broken, isn't it? Just throw it away. And I'm like, I can't throw it away. Oh, no. It feels like, you know, burying, it's like burying a man alive. No, you can't. Throwing away a still-working Casio Digital. Can I... Well, I need to get a new strap, I guess. Can I buy it off you? Yeah. And I'll put a, um, I'll put a commando strap on it, you know, a canvas. Well, I was... I looked at straps that I've got, and none of them are quite... I think will work go on it, but I'll just I'll find another. No, I'll, I'll happily buy it off you, and it it'll be my working in the garage watch, and I'll put a commando style macho strap on it. Okay, can, would you? I'll you, just give it to you if you want. Yeah, I might. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll I'll be, can I become a patron of you? <laughs> well, I'll, me personally, I'll, I'll, I'll pledge some patron money every month. A pound a month. A pound a month. After eleven months. After eleven months, I've bought the, bought the watch. Yes, can I do that? There you go, job. That's quite a low depreciation watch. So basically, you can get your money back even if it's broken. I mean, that's you know, that's a, well. Don't tell Harry Metcalf or Quentin Wilson. Of, yeah, they'll of, be on it. <laughs> they'll be all over it. Buy a Casio for eleven pounds. The next year, it's worth eleven pounds. The year after that, it's worth eleven pounds. <laughs> I got this Casio. It's white, ex-police, no sunroof, and I picked it up at auction for just three pounds. <laughs> now, uh, window cleaning news. Uh, we talked about window cleaners the other week and I said I'd seen a, a, a window cleaner in a comically small Fiesta van rolling an enormous spliff before oh, yeah. presumably going to work. Um, we, we've, we've had some messages from window cleaners about this. Oh, gosh. Um, one of them is uh, from a chap called Josh. Uh, he says he's a window cleaner in the Hartford and Essex area. He's 25, a petrol head, big fan of the pod, and listen to you every week. Hey, Josh. I have a Mercedes Kitan. With a 375-litre tank, which makes its own pure water when plugged into a water source. It's a very expensive system. Hearing about the Fiesta van man is very much what I separate myself from, and I like to be as professional as possible. It's interesting you talk about the future of window cleaning van-wise, because we carry so much water and my van has to be waterproof, which means fiberglassing the floor, but the odd leak does happen. So with a battery van, as all the batteries would presumably be in the floor, it couldn't be accessed with my tank. Furthermore, if there was a leak, I wonder if the batteries would get wet and cause problems. No, they're sealed. They're waterproof. Battery packs are. Do you think? I suppose they must. They have to be. But then I guess. Which is why, Um, at some point, I'll be doing some Ford driving, as in driving through water in in uh, EVs, because they don't need to breathe. You don't have the issue with in in inlet. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So where some cars snort up water, an EV Mm. won't. Obviously, if you drive it over the windscreen, then the interior might fill with water. But um, I, w- I wouldn't um, have any. Are you are you allowed to talk about your recent experience <laughs> with that? <laughs> I knew you'd say that. As I said it, I was like, oh no, yeah, I can because the video actually should be out by the time this podcast emerges. Okay. So, so <laughs> last week, <laughs> in the last in the last show, very exciting. You've got a Lada Neva on test. Tell everyone what happened. Yeah, really, really excited. Had a 2021 Lada on test. Got an exclusive on the brand new, still looks the same, is still kind of the same Lada, being sold by a guy in the UK. Really enjoyed driving one 10 years ago on fifth gear. It was one of my favourite features. So, got one in. Going to do a, a drive in it, a little bit of a Jimny comparison. And then I booked a an off-roading um, quarry course nearby for some full off-roading very exciting hottest day of the year filming it did some road driving film's going brilliantly got the keys to the off-road course no one's there but i've had a phone call with the guy who runs it saying yep it's all yours obviously it's hot day 
Uh, there's a wading pool in the middle. So it's like, okay, so can I go in the wading pool? Is that all right? Yeah, yeah. Um, don't go on the left-hand side of the of the of the off-road area. That gets very clayy and boggy. No, no, I won't do. That. I remembered this from last time. Don't go in the far left of the complex. I won't do that. It's fine. So anyway, we do all the stuff with the car clean, and then videographer Matty says, "Right, let's okay. I'm going to get the drone up. Let's do some epic drone stuff." I went, "Yeah, cool. I'll do some wading." Went down wading. Uh, got me got me diff locked. Got my low range, obviously. I thought I'll just put it all on the little Neva. By the way, the Neva's awesome. Can I just say this? Very enjoyable. Better ride than a Jimny. Definitely a better car than an old Defender. Sorry, Richard, not sorry. And um, <coughs> just thoroughly enjoying myself in my Neva Lux, which costs £800 more than the base model and has electric windows and aircon out of a Renault. So. I'm wading, and it is fairly deep, but I'm sticking to the middle because it looks like the the way to go. And on this off-road course, there's big orange cones in certain areas which clearly you you don't want to go because that might be dangerous. I go through the middle of the wading pool, and the drone's got the footage. I think, well, that was quite deep. I'll probably go through... I'll probably do the side next time. That's about as deep as I'd want to go, despite the fact we haven't had rain for days. <clears throat> bit more off-roading. It's all going very well. Car's indestructible. It's wonderful. Very Neva. I'm singing Rasputin on my way around because I'm, I'm having a lot of fun. <laughs> I go through what... I sort of... There's no cones on this bit that looks like the slipway into the wading pool. Okay? So it's at the side of the wading pool and it looks like a slipway. And this is all on camera. Well, on drone, certainly. I go along the side. I think I'll just tickle it along the side and then I'll go up onto some off some rocks and stuff. So I'm driving along reasonably fast because the water's about two inches deep max. And then it goes from two inches deep max to three quarters of a metre deep. It's a bit like driving into the shallow end of a big swimming pool without any warning. <laughs> and... W- and the car then just goes nose down. I immediately shut off the um, the, the the engine out of panic. I do, do try and reverse it actually momentarily, and then I realise it's not going to happen, so I shut the engine off. And it's very deep. So hang on, at this point, well, I know this because um, you sent me a photo. <laughs> I did. It's uh, captioned simply FFS, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's and the, the, new... the Neva was very nose down at that point. So I imagine the engine is in fact going... <laughs> I, and snorting I, up there's a, the a warning light appears on the dash the exhaust is out the water so that's a good thing um, but yeah I'm like going oh sugar because it's definitely over the, the wading line on that car so yeah and then I shut off I haven't got comms with the videographer who's got the drone up um, and then I start shouting and waving my hands and he realises that things are not cool comes running down from the hillside and I'm like I'm sinking it, I can't get out, and so what happens is is there's no, unfortunately there's no onboard camera at the time. We didn't have the car rigged for cameras, but I have got a mobile phone in my pocket, and as the footwell and all of the the, the pedal box disappears under muddy water, I film with my camera, my my phone, what's going on, and I'm really annoyed and stressed because obviously. It's a brand new car. It's got 300 kilometres on the clock of this bloody Neva, this beautiful Mm. Neva legend. 
and it's not owned by a big company it's owned by a small guy who's importing them to order mark who's wonderful and he's very proudly let me have the first drive of it this thing's box fresh in fact we were filming underneath it before we off-roaded it because it was virgin under there mm. so I'm, I'm upset I'm, I'm worried i've damaged the car and it's not my fault it's not the not well it is my fault because i drove it in there but there's no warning <laughs> to say that it was so i phoned the guy who organizes the, uh, the off-road bit and i've sort of tried to describe is i said i need someone to come and pull me out he said, yeah, not, they're doing the land rover experience we're very busy today with all the land rover vips it's going to be about two and a half hours i went two and a half hours so all the filming's paused i try and climb out so i film myself and then i climb out through the boot because you can undo the boot we well, can only undo the boot from the inside on the neva just so everybody knows wait have you been in the car this whole time yeah yeah, I've been sat in the car for about 15 minutes, 20 minutes, trying to work out what to do. I've established it's not sinking any further, so that's good. But obviously the car is... the Both footwells are full of water. And the back of the car is sticking up in the air like Titanic. I open the boot, which has extremely aggressive um, damp struts on it because it's brand new. It wants to shut really hard constantly, so I'm having to hold it open with all my strength. And I've I've had to get out. I've climbed out. I've managed to jump to to freedom without getting my feet very wet, actually. <laughs> and then we sit in the in the heat of the afternoon under a tree, just going, "What on earth? I hope I haven't killed the car. How are we going to dry it out? What's going to happen? Are we going to get any more footage?" I'm very very stressed out, um, and running out of water as well. Two hours goes by. The car hasn't sunk any more. Um, you'll see some pictures and you'll see the footage of the situation on the the video on my youtube channel and yeah the guy lovely guy called darren comes and gets me in a two-door discovery and lovely guy x forces does it for a you know bit of a sort of hobby and when he came and saw where i was he went oh yeah nobody goes down there I'm like, well, I said, <laughs> well, I, I said, well, I went down there because it looks like the slipway to to get out. And he went, yeah, it does. You're absolutely right. I went, well, why is there no cone there? <laughs> he went, well, this is the poignant bit. He went, hey, actually, I don't know why there's no cones there. But he said, thing is, a couple of weeks ago, Unimog got stuck there. I went, a Unimog? What? He went, yeah, a uni- one of our marshals has got a Unimog recovery vehicle with a crane on the back, and it got stuck. So I said, well, look, if a Unimog gets stuck, that means a tractor couldn't get through, which means nothing can get through, which means I feel slightly better, but I'm still really annoyed about the fact I've got a box-fresh Neva nose down in the in the water here. So he pulled me out with his, with his two-door. We dragged it up to the higher V8 gra- or TDI? It was TDI. It, and it was oh. nice. He's, he's had it for quite a while. Um, and he's a jolly guy. And he said, oh, I've got a toolkit on board. I said, um, I want to just check. I don't want to start this thing. I want to just check it's okay. So it was obviously pissing water out from the inside of the car. We checked. The air box was full of water. You know, the air filter, the the paper air filter. So it just... Mm. And I looked at the water line, and it had just gone into the intake. I was like, oh, sugar, this is touch and go. So he had a plug spanner. We took the plugs out. We spun the engine over with the plugs out, and it fired a bit of water on number one cylinder. 
straight straight into his face. And, <laughs> and, but he was he was actually really cool about it. He was quite excited. He said, "Oh, I'm glad we didn't try and turn the engine over now." So we spun the engine over a couple of times more, plugs back in when it smelt of fuel. Um, took the air filter um, element out and cleaned all the air box out. And it started straight away. No smoke, no steam. I was like, oh, good, good. And we managed to drive and carry on the feature. And I drove home, but without a, an air filter in the box. I can say this now because I know the car's absolutely fine. But we the whole time, the engine management light was flashing and I was a little bit winky bum. Drove the car home, again, winky bum, engine management light out. The next day, knowing that the guy was collecting it on Friday, I thought I, I, I just, I had head, the headlights were full of water. Um, the whole front of the car was full of mud. Um, mm. And obviously the inside was wet through, but luckily it's uh, rubber matted and there's only a bit of soundproofing which, which soaked up the water. So I spent all of the next day pretty much didn't think I would ever do this on a 21 plate car I took the entire front off the car so I took the grill the headlights all the um, assembly around that out cleaned it all um, dried all the headlights up but that's the beauty of the Neva it's it's a brand new old car a bit like a Defender when they like Mm. yours it's still an old car you can still do loads on it with just exposed screw heads on all of the dash I took the, all of the, the interior out in like about 15 minutes. It was amazing. And the moral to the story is obviously um, don't go to an off-road course without any adults there uh, because even an area that looks friendly might not be. Um, yeah. The second thing I would say is I managed to, despite the fact that the air filter was in, all in Russian, I took it to a couple of auto factors and they were like, don't know what it is. But I managed to get a, a, a number, a code off the internet, and I managed to put a brand new air filter in it. And once I put the air filter in it and shut the air box down, um, taken the terminals off the batteries for 10 minutes and put them back on again, started the car up, no warning lights. It was absolutely fine. And I did double-check the plugs the next day before driving it again, and there was no water anywhere. So the car was absolutely bob-on. I gave it a thorough clean and obviously dried out the interior. And I love the Neva, I, but I was very worried I'd killed it. But I didn't kill it. I was going to say, did you briefly start to wonder if you'd, in fact, just accidentally bought a Neva? Yes, I did, because I got insurance on it for the shoot through Adrian Flux. And I thought, I'm going to have to call them and do the whole, I think the the car's ingested water and is dead, and therefore do I need to buy the car? What's the excess? Is Mark going to do me a deal on a car and I've got to buy a brand new Neva? I kind of said this to my wife. I think I'm going to have to buy this car. And I love the car, but obviously the circumstances are a bit dark. Yeah. So um, yeah. I was I was very scared. But I have to say, that car off-road is incredible. We didn't get all the footage we wanted uh, of the off-road course because we spent most of the afternoon stuck in a very deep part of, of, of a wading lake. Um, but I have to say, it's wonderful. It's just a wonderful, charming, sort of ex-Soviet hangover with a, with a smile. And, um, and you can order it base model. He's selling them under 12 grand plus fat. And um, I just love it. 
I think it's wonderful. And the fact that it's left-hand drive only doesn't bother me because it's it's so narrow and the A-pillars are so narrow. Mm. It drives really mm. well. And it's more comfortable than a, than a Jimny or a Defender. I kid you not. Hmm. I mean, I know that's not difficult when we speak. It's not difficult. There, it's but, like, but yeah, so, yes, yeah, you know what I mean. No, I, 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 it's I, of the same genre, so they, that's the yeah. So I have to admit that picture you sent me of the Neva nose down in that enormous muddy puddle. My wife WhatsApp me just after you'd sent it to me and went, "Oh, it's fucking this. I've got some aggro at work and blah blah blah." And I just forwarded it to her and went, <laughs> "You're not having as bad a day as Johnny is." <laughs> no. I know. I will put that picture, if you don't mind, I'll put that picture in the Patreon uh, yeah. show notes this week. So Do um, it. people who haven't seen it, it is um, now, we can say this now, it, oh, I can say this now, it is actually quite a funny photo. But I can only say that because we know that it's had a happy ending and the car's okay and you're okay. The car's okay. You don't own a soggy, broken Neva no. you've been forced to buy at uh, Russian gunpoint. But I want to say a big um, thank you to uh, Mark um, uh, Mark Key, who, who runs Larda4x4.co.uk, for lending me the car, for trusting me and being quite laid back <laughs> despite the situation. <laughs> um, and I hope for, hopefully the video's good. I mean, there's, there's real jeopardy in it, as in we nearly destroy a brand new car. But um, not not intentionally, <laughs> not intentionally. So, <sighs> all right. Well, sorry, we took a bit of a detour there. Um, uh, Josh, thank you for your window cleaning email. I'll I'll, I'll write back to you. We'll, we'll answer your um, other question, which is about buying a Z4. Quite a hard ride. Try one before you buy. Uh, and um, oh yeah, Alexandros as another window cleaner also wears a polo shirt. Uh, uses a long brush known in the industry as a water-fed pole. He says electric vans are exciting, but the problem might be payload because water is heavy. Anyway, um, yeah. thank you for window cleaner messages. I think there was another one, but I can't find it now. Water-fed pole, that is such a peel session. Water-fed pole. I know, and I saw one this morning, saw someone using one, and I thought, I know what that's called now, thanks to Alexandra. Water-fed so, pole. Thank you. Thank you to everyone who emails us. Um, we, we will come around and read out a load of uh, messages at some point again soon, like we did last week. Yeah. Um, but for now, thank you for listening. If you have got something you want to tell us, hello at smithandsniff.com. Smith and Sniff, all in words. No ampersand in there. I don't think email addresses is not allowed. very much. So just smithandsniff.com. Uh, and before we go, I have three things to tell you. They are one. Julian has a solo YouTube channel called The Late Break Show, on which you'll find many excellent videos, including a test of a Lada Neva, which... Um, a water-sodden Neva. The worst watery fun with a larder neva uh two i've got loads of books and things out and one of them is called uh, medium-sized book of boring car trivia it's available on amazon as a paperback or an e-book and the third thing i have to tell you is that the actor jeremy renner used to be a makeup artist really briefly yeah he, he was he no good at it or he got his break as an actor i don't know Interesting. Sure. That is interesting, isn't it? Well, anyway, there we go. That's that for this. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next week. Goodbye. Bye bye. Ra ra, Rasputin, lover of the Russian Queen. It was a shame how he nosedived into a murky lake. <laughs> hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 